I'm Kate, and welcome to the Picture House Podcast, where we discuss the architecture, design, and history of America's early cinemas. We hope that telling the stories of these places and the people associated with them will help you explore their place in our collective memory and our communities today. Throughout this series, we've gotten just a tiny taste of the fabulous theaters that the Bowler Brothers designed in the 1920s, almost all of which were inspired by the high styles of Europe and the Middle East. But, as isn't surprising for architects of their obvious talent, the Bowler Brothers were able to smoothly transition from the ostentatious 20s to the somewhat more subdued 30s. And so, to close out our series on the Bowler Brothers, we'll look at two of their notable Art Deco theaters. The Fox Theater, Hutchinson, Kansas. The Fox Hutchinson Theater opened on June 8, 1931. Located just some 50-odd miles northwest of Wichita, the small town of Hutchinson marked the movie house's opening with a parade, street dance, and a whole week of festivities. Designed by the bowlers, Local Hutchinson concern A.R. Mann & Company are credited as supervising architects. Ed C. Klinker, also a local, was the general contractor. Construction of the theater is said to have been spurred by Vernon Wiley, who was something of a local magnate because of his successful dry goods business. It's possible that Wiley commissioned the Buller brothers to design the Fox Hutchinson. Motion Picture News told its readers the Fox Hutchinson was a half-million-dollar deluxe theater, although some accounts put the movie house's price tag closer to 400000 Either way, it was a pretty significant investment, with the money going toward fine touches such as the plaster ornamentation by W.H. Jenis of Kansas City and the modern theater chairs provided by the Steel Furniture Company of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Wichita's Claude Neon Federal Company built the Fox Hutchinson's marquee. The sign was said to be the first flashing display of neon in Kansas. The Society of Architectural Historians describes the interior of the theater as elegant and sumptuous. Beyond the entrance below the marquee is a grand, two-story lobby that houses a graceful curving stair with a decorative metal railing. The space is highlighted with ornamental plaster detailing, including decorative friezes above the doors, fluted walls, and a geometric gilded ceiling, which is complemented by etched glass chandeliers and sconces. The decorative elements and motifs are carried through into the spacious auditorium. And the National Register nomination for the building, authored by Martha Hagdorn Crass, notes especially the theater's Art Deco attributes. Its setbacks, stepped treatments, and projecting pilasters emphasize the building's geometric form. The pressed aluminum and metallic glazed terracotta floral, vegetal, and geometric reliefs, door moldings, capitals and bases, stair railings, light fixtures, cartouches, friezes, and other decorative features found in the building are all hallmarks of the Art Deco style. The Fox Hutchinson operated for more than 50 years as a movie theater, until it finally went dark in 1985, and then sat empty for the next five years. In 1990, it was purchased by the nonprofit Hutchinson's Historic Theater, Inc., 
the group spearheaded a stunning $4.5 million restoration. And in 1999, the Bowler Picture House reopened to the public. Today, the Fox Hutchinson is host to live shows and films. Fox Stadium Theater, Los Angeles, California. In movie theater mecca, it's hard to make a showplace stand out. But the Bowler brothers managed to do just that with LA's Fox Stadium Theater. In February of 1930, it was announced that Fox West Coast Theaters was going to erect a nearly million-dollar theater on Pico Boulevard. Construction was slated to begin around April 1st. The press blurb noted that the stadium will be similar in constructional style to the old Roman Colosseums, and with the elimination of balcony and mezzanine, will present radical features in theater design. It will have 1,400 seats all located in forum fashion around a giant stage especially devised to accommodate the new wide grandeur film screen, soon to replace smaller screens. Fox Grandeur was a successful but short-lived 70mm widescreen format. The theater, which would have futuristic motifs in the decoration, would be part of a larger building complex to include six stores and 20 offices. Opened on March 5, 1931, the opening night advertisement played up the novel layout of the auditorium. Next to an illustration of the stepped tower with its beacon flashing to the masses was the tagline, A New Departure in Theater Construction. Now, although stadium seating was not new in general and had been used many times in movie theater design in the U.S. by the 30s, it was still relatively rare in Los Angeles for some reason. And so this floor plan really was new to Angelinos. Indeed, the Fox Stadium was profiled a couple of months after its opening by Motion Picture News, with the main focus being the bowler's approach to the arrangement of the auditorium. Architectural drawings, a main floor plan and horizontal section, as well as several flattering images, accompanied Carl Bowler's article entitled adapting the theater to a shallow lot. He explained that, created with the idea of obtaining a maximum seating capacity by dispensing with a balcony on a limited ground floor area, a semi-one-floor stadium-type theater was adopted as the most economic solution of the problem presented in the projection of the stadium theater. This building occupies a lot with a 160-foot frontage but a depth of only 120 feet. This forced the plan into an L-type entrance scheme. Bowler devoted several more paragraphs to a very technical description of the auditorium layout. I won't go into that further here, but if you're interested, you can find his article in the May 9th, 1931 issue of Motion Picture News on archive.org. After describing the finer technical points of the stadium seating, he went on to paint for us a nice picture of the theater, both inside and out. The architectural design is modern. A tower of monolithic concrete, with a copper and glass lantern topped with a beacon light, dominates the exterior effect. The entire front, including all sides of the tower, is lighted with both colored flood and neon lights. The lobby is finished in black marble, with gold decorations and white metal poster cases. 
The floor is of varicolored terrazzo in sunburst design, radiating from the box office in all directions, extending up the sidewalk. The ceiling is reflected in a similar design, extending to the front of the marquee. The box office is of black marble and gold metal and is glazed with polished plate. It has broad borders of sand-etched designs. The vestibule and foyer doors are of mahogany, with full-length glass panels etched in all-over sandblast designs. These two sets of doors effectively cut out all street noises. With a final total seating capacity just shy of 1,200, all seats were fully upholstered on back and seat with silk velour in handsome color designs. The loges were especially made and have high backs with fixed seats and are overstuffed. Bowler deemed the theater's decoration throughout as in the modern style with a Renaissance influence. He described how the side walls are ornamented with an elaborate ornamental plaster frieze and with fluted pilasters and pairs decorated with gold metal leaf and black. The wall panels are of acoustical plaster of high absorption. The entire ceiling and all walls of the foyer are decorated with gold metal leaf and lacquered, with inset and bordered design painted in high colors. All woodwork is in Brazilian mahogany, and all door panels are sand-carved in all-over designs. He noted that there were smoking rooms, cosmetic and lounge rooms, marble and tile retiring rooms, and ushers, dressing, and locker rooms, and that all of the foyer, vestibule, and lounge rooms, and all aisles and loges are thickly carpeted with richly designed velvet laid on one inch of ozite padding. All sundry furniture in the foyer and restrooms is of special design to match the interior of their respective rooms. On opening night, Theater Conscious Los Angeles was on hand to pay tribute to another monument to the motion picture. But the Fox Stadium had a relatively short life as a theater, lasting just 30 years before it closed in the fall of 1961. Within a few years, the movie house was converted to a synagogue, and it's been one ever since. Some details appear to have been lost, although many have been preserved. Some deco details on the facade are still very much intact, and the building's distinctive tower is still a beacon for the neighborhood. Thanks for listening along to these last six episodes, as we've briefly explored the Bowler Brothers' body of work. We've really only begun to scratch the surface, and I'm sure it won't be the last time you hear their name on this podcast. I hope this series has piqued your interest in them, and I hope you'll join us for our next episode. Until then, may your seats be ever in the center 